0: I tested before, but it's always good to test again. Uh, testing one, two, three from mic one. All right, we're getting reads.
1: Testing one, two, three, four, five.
0: Can you talk louder for a sec?
1: Testing one, two, three, four, five.
0: Okay, <laughs> yep, it's registering. <laughs> Thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am your host, Sky Elchison, and welcome back to another episode. This week, we have my co-host, Adam. Adam, say hello. Hello. Adam's in the office, as well as today's special guest, Albin Denethal, (laughs) Denyol, y'all right. <laughs> the co-founder and CEO of Sketchfab, and for those that don't know, Sketchfab is a platform to publish and find 3D assets. So creators, brands, and even museums can upload and share 3D models uh, that can be used for AR, VR, e-commerce, advertisements, and and much more. Did I did I nail that?
2: Yeah, it's a good good description.
0: It's a good description. Oh cool. well, how would how would you describe it?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, we created the first web-based 3D player in the market back in 2012. Uh, and we've become the largest platform for anyone to publish three D content, and so a long tail of creators, but also more and more uh, brands, museums, institutions, national parks, hospitals, schools. Like it's we live in a three D world, so it's extremely diverse.
0: Is there any area that you've seen being like the most active? Like, is like are hospitals and national parks making the most three D content right now, or is it well, kind of
2: split? One area that is particularly active is uh, cultural heritage. So we just announced actually last week that we welcome the Smithsonian on Sketchfab, and today we have more than one hundred thousand assets coming from museums like Lulu Louvre and the Smithsonian and um, MoMA and so on. And that's one area that has been really active and interesting.
0: Oh, that's super cool. Super cool. Yeah, I did, I did not know that. We have you on for today's uh, topic. It's, it's going to be covering our democratized creativity uh, outlook trend in the 2020 uh, outlook that has been published. Um, but before we dive into this episode today, all about creativity and how people are creating the platforms that they're creating on and what they're creating, uh, I want to see what the lab team over here has been slacking off of. I know it's only Tuesday, but uh, Adam, what have you been slacking off on uh, this week? What, what work haven't you been doing? <laughs> (laughs)
1: I am uh, very interested in something that I was reading uh, this morning that ByteDance, the company behind TikTok, is. About to capitalize on all of on the coronavirus and uh, the all of the working from home that's happening by launching their own productivity suite to huh. compete with like Microsoft Office and Google uh, G Suite. How uh, is which, that
0: is that how is that going to work? Is it like in the app or it's like, not going to be inside of TikTok. I mean okay. they have a
1: they have a suite of apps right. They already make other apps besides TikTok. Um, but uh, interesting to see them uh, you know racing into the productivity space um, while obviously everybody is everybody in China and increasingly in other parts of the world are working from home.
0: Got to strike with iron. Super interested, yeah. super
1: interested to see you know if they're going to bring some kind of differentiation into the space because obviously TikTok is somewhat differentiated from a lot of other social apps out there. Um, their news app is also a little differentiated. So curious to see what their take on productivity, productivity is like. yeah. And then if they will try to you know cross promote
0: uh, into in TikTok and things like that. I gotta imagine it's going to be very creative in some way, I shape, or form. I would hope so, but I don't know. <laughs> Alba, how about yourself? Anything recently in the news that you've been seeing that kind of you know struck your eye or caught your eye?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I would say. So I just noticed that uh, Roblox raised 150 million last week, yeah. yep. and I found it. Well, the company is like 15 years old, and <laughs> I thought it's really interesting. So Roblox is an MMO, uh, massive multiplayer online game where people can create their own games. It has become pretty much like a, almost like a, a virtual social network, a bit like Second Life. It's crazy to think that Minecraft is already huge and there are there is still space for other like huge uh, virtual worlds to live in and uh, I think, yeah, it's an interesting segue into what we're, what we're doing. Yeah. We can talk about this more after. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, do you guys, have you guys worked with Roblox or do you uh, have you just spoken to them at all?
2: Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I mean, we do, we have an integration with Minecraft, actually. Okay. So you can publish okay. Minecraft worlds to Sketchfab. And we see like five-year-old kids using Minecraft as a 3D creation tool, which is just yeah. fascinating. And then Roblox, yeah, I, I'm not a gamer myself, so mm-hmm. I haven't followed, but um, but yeah, I should take a look.
0: It's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing for us that is interesting about that Roblox valuation at $4 billion is that it's probably so high because out of like the big uh, sort of uh, virtual world, creative platforms uh they're the ones that actually have a platform for you to monetize your creations inside of the inside of Roblox. um they they haven't paid out a ton of money yet it's still pretty new and pretty small but uh, i think that's partially why the valuation is so high it's not just that you're creating content but there's actually a platform for you to build uh you know an influencer business a creative business uh potentially on top of that which is really cool
0: i know too like they just announced that like they're doing like like virtual screenings so it's like they're or like they're testing out like having like playing movies in roblox so that way you can all go there and watch together um so it's interesting to see how our worlds are colliding both online and offline uh, as we go into 2020 uh and then for me like the last thing i'll say here again it's back to tiktok uh tiktokers are streaming themselves sleeping and some people are making money off of it. I mean, low, low money, like 10 to $50, but you know, <laughs> people have gone to bed and wait, they wake up with like 8,000 more people that are now their followers. Cause like they stream themselves sleeping.
1: What do you think is the draw of watching people sleep? Because we, we've talked about this with like mukbang and yep. like watching people eat. Yep. Um, yep. but what, that there's some like social connection there that normally you're eating with, you know, other people, but if you can't eat with other people, eat with somebody who's, you know, streaming their, yeah. their <laughs> eating. Uh, uh, so like, what's the, um, what do you think those the attraction of watching people sleep is
0: well so the, and this all comes from the uh Taylor like Lorenz article from the New York Times what what they were saying is that because it's a live stream you can live chat which you can't do on a normal TikTok post so it's all about the community that mm. happens around it. So it's like a fun, in-the-moment thing, and you kind of meet people while you're having a conversation on the live stream while this person's sleeping. So it's more about but like... the sleeping
1: person is kind of incidental. Like, yes. it doesn't really matter that they're there. Right. <laughs> right. I guess
2: it's one of the aspects, like, you are, when you're sleeping, you are completely... I mean, you, you don't control what happens. So right. That's one of the... Uh, yeah,
0: know, one, one of the benefits, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think it, it, it just goes back to this idea of communities, right? People c- continue to push and find environments that they can have conversations in and meet people, whether that's online, offline, private groups, public groups they're just like a, a, a continuation of this trend of people wanting to socialize, which is like a basic human nature, which isn't that surprising to kind of think about. It just happens to happen in interesting places. Like when one person's <laughs> asleep and 20,000 people are not
1: <laughs> connect with other people who like to watch people sleep.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> creativity at its finest. But, uh, with that, let's just move into the, you know, today's main topic, which is kind of discussing the 2020 outlook, uh, section or trend called democratized creativity. Um, Um, So, Adam, you want to give us a a brief overview of this section and and what what we're seeing and how does Sketchfab and TikTok and Roblox and Minecraft all tie into this uh, trend? Yeah, so uh, the idea behind this is
1: that um, our hardware, our mobile devices, our computers are getting so powerful at this point that um, they are uh, allowing us to be more and more creative by taking away um, removing some of the obstacles to creativity. So if you think about like uh, photography, um, our smartphone cameras do all kinds of processing on them to remove things um, like uh, having to worry about white balance for example so that you don't have to think about that. Automatically focusing on people's faces. You don't have to worry about uh, their faces being out of focus. All these Things that you used to have to sort of learn how to do and manually do with a with an old um, SLR camera, uh, and now uh, increasingly our smartphones are just doing that automatically for us. Actually, even better than you know some photographers might be able to accomplish with a traditional camera. And that you know photography, I think, is an easy place to, to start and to understand it. But this is also happening in uh, a sort of music creation, in podcasting, mm-hmm. uh, in um, in video, uh, and increasingly in three uh, D creation as well, um, where uh, obviously computers have been able to do 3D modeling for a long time. Um, but uh, when we see platforms like Roblox come along, um, they are simple enough for uh, you know kids to be able to start creating their own 3D content and assets. I think it's it's sort of across all kinds of mediums and it's getting deeper and deeper. Um, and you know, Sketchfab certainly mm-hmm. I think is uh, an important part of the developing tool set around uh, 3D content creation um, as a way for people, an easy way for people to get started without having to create all of their assets mm-hmm. uh, themselves inside of these platforms. Uh, and we've you know, been a fans of Sketchfab for a long time. I love that it's like integrated into a lot of the the tools directly, um, so you don't have to you know go out uh, and find it on the web. It can actually be integrated directly into a lot of the tools. Um, and yeah, again, it's just like an easy on ramp into 3D right. content creation, which I you know we at the lab have been talking about as uh, possibly an important part of the next platform uh, that comes beyond the smartphone. Uh, that um, you know, 3D content creation might be sort of key to that, whether it's VR or AR or something else. Um, that uh, creating those 3D
0: assets might be as important as just taking photos with our smartphone today. I couldn't agree more. That was that was fantastic. So, um, Alvin. So, I wanted to kind of like get your thoughts on this. So, you mentioned at the top of the show that you're seeing kids use Minecraft as like a 3D creation tool. I would never, never even thought about that. So, like, ex- explain how like you guys are integrated into like Minecraft, and how is how is this trend of creating three D assets from Minecraft like happening? Like, what like what is all that?
2: I mean, if we can, if we take one step back, um, at Sketchfab we've always uh, tried to do our best to make the workflow easier for content creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, our goal is to. Help 3D content get outside of the 3D world thanks to the internet, uh, and so we wanted to make this as seamless as possible for for creators. Uh, 3D is an extremely fragmented space. There are more than 100 3D formats. There are gazillion creation tools.
0: There's there's more than just OBJ files. Yes, and so, <laughs> I didn't I did not know that. <laughs> it's,
2: it's it's fascinating because if you look at, at image or or video or sound, each of those only has max 10 formats, and 3D mm-hmm. has more than 100 extensions, because uh, a lot of 3D tools are very vertical-specific, like tools just for architects or just for video games or just for uh, product design and so on and so on. And so uh, we spend a lot of energy, A, making a product that is easy to use, that is kind Mm -hmm. of horizontal, and so we don't go uh, into any specific niche. And then integrating the tool within all ways to create content. Uh, Initially, we started with... Uh, traditional uh, 3D, professional packages like 3DS Max, AutoCAD, Blender. And increasingly, we've started getting integrated into more uh, consumer products, typically Minecraft, a lot of Voxel tools, so all the ways to create content with little cubes. Mm -hmm. And then more and more VR and AR creation tools. Actually, yesterday, uh, Tilt Brush by Google, Just announced a native integration so you can post from Tilbrush. So sculpting, creating VR, Mm -hmm. then post to Sketchfab straight from uh, Tilbrush. And so Minecraft is just one part of this equation. Okay. Um,
0: and then you guys also talked about, like, you were the first ones to integrate with Facebook, right? So that way you could kind of, like, push a 3D model, you know, into AR Studios or, like, Spark, I believe it was called. But then also on the on, the, on their timeline as, like, a digital ad format.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it started with the timeline, actually. So in okay. 2015, we got oh, wow. uh, whitelisted on the newsfeed, And at that time, there were very, very few players white- whitelisted on the news feed, just like YouTube, SoundCloud, Vimeo, ten. Mm-hmm. And so we got whitelisted on the newsfeed, which meant that if you shared a Sketchfab URL in a Facebook post, Facebook would, would recognize it and display our 3D player within the post, which means you could enter an interactive 3D world right from your newsfeed and jump into it in VR because we have a VR mode straight from the player. So at that time it was very uh, it was pretty much too early. <laughs> Fast forward to today, Facebook rolled out their own 3D player in the newsfeed. So now you've maybe seen like but it's kind of a parallax 360, yep. fake 3D photos. So it's, so they've always preferred native content posted on the platform. Right. And now they don't really like uh, HTML5 players in the news feed. And so it's been, it's been an interesting conversation. But what's interesting is that we started just as a technology as so a player to display content. From there, we grew a library of content, so today we're the largest library of 3D files. Now we're integrating back into Facebook through their uh, AR tools, so Spark AR, which is a way to create AR filters for Instagram, and so we're the library provider uh, for that tool.
0: Wow. Talk about that. Like that, that is a journey, and that is. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a full circle. Yeah, full I guess. yeah,
0: full circle for sure. Um, but so and like that's but that's just like, like like one part of like the whole kind of creative ecosystem, right? Like, it, and I think that's where we see a lot of this creativity going is towards AR creation. Like, one thing I've been kind of thinking about recently is that people got got their start building websites. That kind of seemed to be the way that people got into the world of technology. And now I'm thinking it's like, well, if we look to the future, you know, building like AR filters. Assets, like that's going to be kind of like that new origin story of how people are, you know, experimenting and building creative and kind of getting their starts, whether that's like as influencers, creators, companies, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we see this with platforms like Minecraft and Roblox. You also see it with people, um, creating content on Snapchat, right? Like it's uh, 3d as the tools become easier to use, uh, it, the entry point moves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at this point, you know, uh, clearly, you know, companies still have websites and, but I think a lot of people have moved off of personal sites to things like Squarespace where you don't, it's not, you know, having your own website is not impressive. No one's going to ask you to build <laughs> your own website from scratch that even if you're a, a web developer, like you don't really need to do that. Uh, cause, <laughs> we, uh, it's, it's more about, uh, you know, showcasing the content. So, right.
0: yeah. And, and to that point, as things have gotten easier, they've also gotten easier to like remix. We're seeing more and more, um, I would say culture in general be remixed by access to all these tools. What is this like remix culture that is kind of permeating you know across 2020 right now
1: yeah i mean i think in uh, on social platforms um you know people like to uh, sort of riff on content and uh i think take things and and remix them and edit them and you see this with with memes especially online of just you oh. know how um you know people create Content based off of existing content. It is a, a way to be creative without uh, taking a lot of uh, effort because um, <laughs> you're basically just you know riff, riffing on somebody else's idea. TikTok obviously was sort of built with this from in in mind from the ground up. I think uh, where uh, it, the entire thing is designed for you to take components of somebody else's uh, video and um, add them to yours and use that as a starting place and a template. And I think that that uh, again, it, it's just it enables more people to be creative because uh, they don't they don't need to. Uh, think of something from scratch and, and design it a whole mm. cloth. Basically,
0: are you seeing re- like remake culture happen on Sketchfab's then? Like, are you seeing people smash together like Game of Thrones maps with like Pokemon monsters and S- it- exporting S- that? S- <laughs> so
2: we just definitely see this in our world, but more happening outside of Sketchfab. I guess uh, initially we we're focused on onboarding content, mm-hmm. and when we reached cr- critical mass of content a couple of years ago, we started pushing it out of Sketchfab, typically to encourage Remix and well, any use case you might need um, for 3D. And so we started getting integrated in many places like Spark AR as, mm-hmm. an, as a library, uh, which we just uh, released last week along with the Smithsonian announcement, uh, mm-hmm. support for CC0 content, so public domain uh, creative common license, which means like yeah, public domain, which is the ultimate, uh, license for pure remix uh, without any strings attached okay Uh, and it's really cool to see uh, modern artists uh, taking 3d captures from le Louvre and then remixing them into some crazy futuristic stuff
0: uh there was an announcement maybe last year or two years ago that in europe they had um issues with the creative license so like they were gonna like lock down memes so like you technically couldn't make memes in europe without getting like a penalty against you (laughs) um so it seems like this is a completely different creative format or license out there
2: yeah i mean well typically the way we did it with facebook is is kind of nice because we provide assets to the spark ar creators we remix them into ar filters and the system is built in a way that the filters are going to credit all the offers involved in a Mm -hmm. a given AR filter. And so it's going to list all Sketchfab models and all their hot offers and and link back to the model. And so it's a great way to enable, facilitate creativity while you're keeping the... Keeping the credit uh, yeah. attached to the piece.
0: It kind of reminds me of Unsplash a little bit, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Where it's instead of 3D assets, like they've created a place where it's license-free, royalty-free stock imagery. It's super high-quality stuff, mm-hmm. and now they even have brand offerings. So kind of similar in the same vein of 3D assets. Brands can go to you know Unsplash and upload whatever their product might be, and have it kind of live across the internet as like a a, a public domain um, press kit or mm-hmm. something like that. So. It's interesting to kind of see where all the kind of creative inputs are coming and where brands can actually get involved and plant the seeds of their their brand imagery and whatnot. But I'm curious, how do we see this kind of creativity rolling into the future like with these types of new formats, given that there's less adoption to like VR currently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about this a lot. Uh, AR and VR are still very early in their developmental phase. And I think I expect that we will just continue to see more tools and more platforms as, as things roll out. Uh, it does certainly looks like there's going to be um, a lot of uh, AR announcements from Apple over the course of mm-hmm. the year. Um, obviously, we know they're investing in that a lot. But I expect that we might start to see some more consumer facing. Uses of AR um, from them pro- probably in the fall with the new iPhones. Uh, so you know it, it's it's slow but steady build out. And I think the important thing to remember is that you don't need AR and VR to have three D assets be useful. As we've been talking about, you can mm-hmm. use them in the Facebook newsfeed. Mm-hmm. You can use them in Minecraft or in, in Roblox. Like there's there's already hundreds of millions of people using <laughs> 3d <laughs> platforms every day. Um, so while, you know, VR and AR do put them in sort of a new context and AR might have the possibility of making, uh, you know, sort of use of 3d assets constant throughout the day. Um, there's still plenty, uh, a plenty big audience, uh, for, uh, for everybody, uh, who's creating that
0: content for brands to be activating in the space. Right. The audience is there and you can control the message. Yeah. Right. 100. That way, you don't have to have like some third party making your branded assets for you. Yeah. what we learned
1: um, when we we've looked at uh, AR and VR stuff for for several brands, and what we've learned almost always is that uh, consumers are creating these assets themselves. Um, so, if you uh, have a brand who makes physical products, there's a chance that there's a pretty good chance that consumers are already making their own version of your physical products. <laughs> so, uh, because they want to use them in, <laughs> in their in their created creation, it really is an opportunity. Like, if you want to have any control over quality or say over how your brand is portrayed, uh, the best thing to do is to create those assets yourself.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because we, so we, we used to only have view only assets that you could just view, but not download or buy. And then three years ago we released downloadable assets, but only free download. And then two years ago we released paid for assets, so like higher quality royalty free content. And that's when we started getting takedown notices from brands, (laughs) IP owners. Uh, It's interesting because the vast majority of brands are, I think, totally happy and understanding much more today than a couple of years ago of the fact that it's much better for, you know, like a Nike or a Tesla, that if someone goes to Sketchfab, there are many Teslas and many Nikes instead of zero. Mm -hmm. Whereas we keep getting takedown requests from small obscure brands and like i don't want my brand anywhere and and i think yeah it's a weird weird move i think the especially with the arrival of 3d capture and the fact that anyone can replicate a, a design put, potentially remake it through 3d printing mm-hmm. and things like that i mean the legal framework around this is very uh, early and so it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves
0: Right. And I and I think to your point, like, you know, kind of fighting against this natural shift is going to be detrimental to like a brand's overall health, right? It's like we're starting to see a big shift in how consumers behave and act online. And as more and more become creators, like as a brand, you know, you want to be the, the one providing the tools, the resources, the content to allow them to create and remix uh, to kind of help build like that brand affinity, you know, with, with this new generation of consumers.
1: Yeah. Like trying to control it too much basically just means that you're then saying you don't want to be part of the conversation. And uh, I think uh, most brands would not want that to be the case right. if, you, if you really ask them. So I think, it, I think it's really just a comfortability of the fact that, yeah, your brand assets will then probably be used in ways that you weren't expecting. But you have to be comfortable with that because uh, – yeah, Just you know, like in real life. I mean. Yeah, just yeah. like in real life. And, you know, I, I know this is going to shock some people, but people sometimes talk about brands in ways that the brands do not approve. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that just because it's online and because you, it's more visible – uh doesn't mean that you're going to be able to control
0: it. Shifting gears just a little bit. I know we haven't really talked about I guess how some of like our bigger players in the space are going to like evolve with this consumer uh shift in I guess, like attention. You know, there are the platforms that are creating tools, right? So we have like Apple has has been always been famous for like creating tools, you know, they have GarageBand. Uh they've always been the kind of creator first, but then we've had platforms like YouTube and SoundCloud that actually own the distribution. So how do we how do we see this kind of like bifurcating or even maybe unifying as we go further down and you know into this creator focus environment? Like, do we see the bigger companies owning the whole stack again? Uh, do we see them continuing to specialize to I guess focus in the areas that they're good at? Um, what are What are the thoughts uh, here?
2: I think it's a very interesting uh, topic <laughs> that I think <laughs> about a lot. <laughs> um, I think there is. I don't think I. Well, I don't know of any historical example of any of the big companies ever being successful at building a UGC content platform from the ground up. And so Google tried creating Google videos before buying YouTube. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud is independent. Instagram got acquired by Facebook. And so for each media format, the old like, image, sound, video, and now 3Ds, they all try to create their own publishing network. Mm -hmm. And typically two years ago, Microsoft created Remix 3D, which was essentially a Sketchfab copycat. And they just announced they closed it in January just because it had no traction. Same thing with Google, right? They had Google Poly. And so they have Google Poly, but I mean, we're a thousand X bigger than Google Poly, (laughs) even (laughs) after two or three years. And what's interesting is that they assume that so they look at the tech and they assume they can rebuild it, and so you know like they spend a bit of energy creating some tech. And the tech is, I mean, there is less heart and soul into the tech because that's just one of the gazillion things they work after. And then they realize that the tech is not enough to attract, uh, to create a community and content. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't have the DNA to build communities, mm-hmm. and so they're waiting on the tech, and the content doesn't come. And then you know, like they. Come to us. They're yeah. <laughs> like, can we have all your content? And we're like, maybe. But you know, <laughs> we need to figure out a model that works for us. And so we did it with Facebook. Uh, we found a, a way to make it work for us where they give us their users and we give those users some content. And so this way it's a reciprocal uh, agreement where mm-hmm. everybody uh, gets something out of it uh, and yeah, and we're discussing with a lot of them to figure out a way to make it work for both sides.
1: Yeah, I mean I think uh, historically, yeah, nobody owns the entire value chain really uh, in, in creative tools. I think that Facebook probably would like to uh, I think that Google would like to, but I, again, I, I think it's unlikely that um, for most people that they're going to m- have everything, you know, have the distribution and have the, the, the creative tools Apple, interestingly, never really tried tries to do the distribution themselves Mm -hmm. Um, other than the app store um, everything else basically they just Give you the tools and then and then walk away. I'm very curious to see on the AR side as they get further and further into AR if they will attempt to control that distribution because it it does seem like an Apple-like thing to do. They do like to control everything, uh, but uh, historically they haven't they haven't done it. Like what what would have happened, you know, if Apple would have acquired SoundCloud, for example, and connected it directly into GarageBand, uh, the world of music might look very different yeah. th- these days.
0: I would kind of challenge a point that it's like is the Apple store or is the app store distribution. I was like eh, that's that could be argued a tool. Like yes, like there's distribution, but like I wouldn't say it's distribution in the same way like SoundCloud and Uh, YouTube have distribution. I think it's distribution. I think it counts. But Mm -hmm. I mean, also
1: an important point to keep in mind is that right now the App Store is where Apple is under the most scrutiny for antitrust issues. So when they're thinking about what the next platform is, uh, as much as they might want to, and obviously would love to replicate the the success of the App Store, uh, I don't know. uh, You know if they. Well, you know, eyeing regulation, if they would, uh, if they would, uh, you know, copy that model exactly mm-hmm. going forward. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it, had to be, it had to be more open, right? In some way, shape, or form, like that would Maybe. help them skirt around the antitrust. Right. I, I, think, I think
1: if you if you see some of the things that are being rumored for uh, iOS 14, for example, and and even uh, iOS 13.4, uh, it does seem like they're making some moves to sort of fend off uh regulation Mm -hmm. to sort of appease regulators uh so that there isn't more additional scrutiny but you obviously would have to keep all this stuff in mind
0: when you're crafting whatever the next platform is do we think it's locked to these kind of let's say like the fang companies like like the big five or do we see like room for other companies that have specialties in the space you know maybe like 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 an oculus or like an htc or like 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 a um a steam with 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 all their games that they're building and their own kind of custom you know vr headset like is it going to be the dominant players are going to kind of just roll into this next phase as well? I like think I'm there's gonna- always opportunity for, um, you know, other players players to rise up
1: and sort of join the ranks. Uh, keep in mind, Oculus is Facebook. So, ah, <laughs> that's right. yeah.
0: You uh, fooled me again.
1: <laughs> I think the, the opportunity will be in the places where they are weakest, right? So like Facebook has great distribution to users. It's going to be really hard to challenge them on distribution. Might be easier to challenge them on creative tools right. uh, because uh, if, again, you know, if people, if they, they don't, if they're not seeing that organically with their tools, they're going to need to work with guys like Sketchfab or with other Um, You know, creative tool
2: and creative communities to plug into their platform, and they
1: should be willing to do that. Obviously, as we were saying,
2: I know I I tend to agree. I think think Snap has uh, innovated a lot on on that um, space. Uh, They were uh, first movers on the AR filters, and they have they have very large distribution of AR content there, Um, and they've always been like creators first, and Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's interesting. But three D is a more uh, complex mediums than all the previous ones. And so, yeah, I think it makes more sense for a lot of them to partner with guys like us. And I mean, we've already become the largest platform on, on the uh, library side of things to partner on distribution.
0: Um, the one thing that I was just kind of thinking about as um, like the formats and the types of content that is created, it's going to be pretty like uh, like unknown what's going to happen with all these tools, right? Like we just talking about at, at the beginning of the show, like TikTok it has people live streaming them sleep. That's kind of like, you know, not something that I would have ever predicted would have been like a new format. I don't think that was on anybody's bingo card for 2020 (laughs) 2020 or any type of creative formats that are out there. So I guess what I'm saying is, is like, as we kind of think about this, like we have no idea what the new creative formats are going to be, but like being prepared and it's like aware of how they're going to be created will put a brand in, in, in a position to kind of take advantage of whatever mm-hmm. you know new live streaming sleep trend kind of comes along um but for both of you any big takeaways for brands you know things that like they, they, they should be thinking about as like our audience base shifts to be more and more creator focused yeah i mean i think it's just
1: as we've been saying about getting um your brand assets out there so that you can be part of the conversation and being as uh, open and flexible to how people want to talk about your brand and incorporate your brand into the, into their their culture. Um, I think that it, that is going to be a challenge for a lot of brands, but it's something that you should start learning how to do now because it's not going to go away and it's not going to get easier. Um, and the the faster you can sort of be part of the conversation, the better. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's happening whether you you like it or not. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you may want to control the quality of what's available out there. Also, thing well for me. The next big, big trend in content creation is going to be around 3D capture, and it stayed pretty much under the radar. Uh, the fact that the latest iPhones have a 3D a depth camera, which mm-hmm. right now is only used for uh, face unlock, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's a fascinating story. Like Apple acquired PrimeSense, uh, which was the Israeli company maker of the Kinects back in 2013, yep. and they spent the past almost 10 years, uh, making it tiny enough to fit in an iPhone. And now we will have a a dev camera in our pockets. Right now it's only uh, front-facing, but it's going to be back-facing hopefully into the next generation of phones, which means anyone will be able to make a replica of anything and and send send it to anyone. Uh, It's going to create amazing opportunities, I think.
1: Yeah, so if, if your if your brand assets are not already if your products are not already in 3D, uh,
0: they're about to be. Yeah, so. they're, they're about to be. So watch out. Uh, also invest in 3D printing. Uh. Yeah, that's that's another thing that we didn't really touch on. But
1: one thing that we've been talking about is once you have all um, you know every consumer making 3D content, uh, are are we going to swing it back around and have 3D printing, which was everyone was excited mm-hmm. about you know years ago, uh, is are we going to see a resurgence of 3D printing as it becomes easier? Easier to uh, move things into virtual space. Do we also mm-hmm. then want to move some things out of
2: virtual space? Well, I think there is there, there are so many more possible use cases if you don't go in, back into the physical. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because a lot of the big brands, like big phone maker like Microsoft and Samsung, they've all released 3D capture apps, and they all and Sony as well. Like I think the three of them marketed those apps with the first use case being 3D printing, mm. and I mean this is not a use case that speaks to a normal end user, uh, average consumer. Whereas if you just think about, you know, like I'm hitting food and it's in 3D in the real world and I can capture it in 3D and share it in 3D, I mean there doesn't need to be an actual use case, just the fact of capturing something in its actual shape (laughs) and sharing it in in that shape. Um, Yeah,
0: (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, with that, we're going to move straight into the Floor9 mailbag section, a section where we have our listeners write in, tweet, email us, post on LinkedIn uh, some questions that they have about the show. First up, uh, a listener from Twitter asks, what is your favorite model or models on Sketchfab?
2: Well, that's a tough question. Actually, I actually have a collection where I curate my favorite models on Sketchfab. <clears throat> oh, can you sh- can you share that with us? Well,
0: I'll put I'll put that in the show notes.
2: Uh yeah. And I think one of the first models there is a 3D model of the Daft Punk duo. Oh. It's cool. Like we see those two guys in their uh suits and crazy helmets. And it was published by one of our early power users, Carol from uh Poland. I mean shout I, out Carol. Yeah. I just <laughs> love the scene or I love Daft Punks. I'm biased and the scene is really uh, uh, super cool.
0: Yeah, no that that's super cool. Um I'm definitely gonna go check that out. And like I said, listeners, we'll be posting uh that curated list in the show notes, so definitely check that out afterwards. Next up, another Twitter question. So thank you, listeners. Adam, how can our brands go about getting 3D assets? <laughs> or how do they do that, honestly? Like like what like what are the ways in?
1: Uh, I, I would say work with Sketchfab. <laughs> that is <laughs> the right. That's probably, <laughs> probably the uh, uh, probably the easiest way because um, uh, you know they they'll help you with uh, generating the assets and also distribution. So uh, and you know then maybe buy a new iPhone in the fall.
0: That's great. Uh, well, thank you, listeners, for those questions. As always, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn, email us, or e- email me directly, Scott at ipglab Always happy to answer your questions and feel them here on the show live. Coming off that listener question, uh, Albin, how can brands work with you? Because obviously, you guys do do a lot of work with brands. So uh, what are the different ways that you've worked with brands? And give us give us the whole rundown.
2: So we typically have, um, I mean, we do two things. On the one hand, we uh, we build technology to display 3D assets. And so a lot of brands use this us as a, a publishing tool. And then we're a huge library of 3D assets. And so a lot of brands use us just to get content. Uh, but I would say our main, yeah, our biggest use case, our initial use case is to provide the easiest way to embed 3D content anywhere on the mm. web. And so a lot of brands use us specifically for that, we make it easy for any brand having 3D assets to embed it for like e-commerce or configurators or social media. Uh, and so our bread and butter is working with brands who already have assets. And so more and more of the big brands have large teams of 3D designers. Uh, a lot of brands making products start designing those products in 3D before getting into manufacturing. Uh, and if those, if those products are not ready for e-commerce, we help them refine them and, and beautify them. Uh, and then we make it very easy to add to a product page so that instead of just having like 12 images of 12 angles of that shoe, I mean, you can have a digital twin of the shoe yeah. and have an experience that is as close to being in store as possible Uh, and so yeah typically we've had a lot of success with uh, footwear brands apparel brands furniture brands um, cars cars it's a long story but we'll get there but not a lot of I mean cars are really car brands are really they have the highest expectation in terms of uh, rendering quality and they still think that 3D doesn't look as good as like a touch tap 2D image Got it. and I think this should be up to the end and you like to the customer to decide what they prefer and I think the, the customer would prefer something that is 2% less photorealistic and 300% <laughs> more interactive uh, and I think eventually they'll all shift to that uh, but uh, in a lot of cases areas where 3D has been used for a long time in, in the back office like to make 2D content or to manufacture products and yep. now brands are starting to realize they have content that again leverage for much more than
0: yeah all those all all those CAD designs are getting to glow up in 2020 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um, well that's great well awesome um, and then where can our listeners find you online
2: uh, sketchfab.com everywhere at sketchfab on Twitter at sketchfab on Facebook LinkedIn WordPress Reddit <laughs> everywhere yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh, couple of big announcements coming from us uh hopefully at the end of the month around everything we discussed so yeah stay tuned for for stay more, tuned for more. Oh, all nice. right well
0: that's exciting um well listeners uh you can follow the lab on social media at ipglab for instagram and twitter feel free to sign up for our newsletter at our, on our website at ipglab.com uh and if you like what you heard share tell a friend uh, we greatly appreciate it so thank you and talk soon <laughs>